The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Ambar Garcia. Brian Broadus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is Thursday, December 14th, 2023, season 19, episode number 88. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And uh, today we're going to be talking a little more about Cowboys versus Bills. Today we'll get into the Buffalo defense versus the Cowboys offense. Uh, depending on how the show goes, we might have time to talk a little bit about playoffs. Uh, we might get into that here at some point. Where, what all has to happen for sure Dallas you want to clinch. do that? Maybe, maybe. And, and, and really the big question I'm going to have for you guys, and we're going to talk about either today or tomorrow, is uh, the question, is, is Philadelphia broken? Because uh, I think that's going to be interesting this weekend. They got an interesting matchup where we're about to see if they really are broken with Seattle or is it just they had two tough games against two better teams, and uh, and that's what we're seeing. But we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later in the show. Uh, let's start first. I want to talk a little bit about some injuries. Malik Hooker uh, did not practice yesterday with an ankle injury. There were lots of people that were listed on the, on the injury report, but that's the one that stood out to me. What do we know about Malik and his ankle? Uh, asked around about it. Doesn't seem to be any concern with it. Sounds like it was a, a rest day for Malik Hooker, just as it was for all others. However, his was, in fact, injury-related, so you couldn't list it as NIR on the injury report. So uh, we'll see if that holds true today when full practice. NIR, not injury-related. Injury related. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see if that holds true today with a full practice um, being undergone by all these guys, and these guys should be returning. So if at 3 p.m. when the injury report pops up for Thursday if Malik Hooker is still there and DNP I mean if he's limited it still goes to rest and kind of making sure he's ready for Sunday but if he's DNP again then it would raise an eyebrow but it doesn't seem like a lot of concern right now if they ever didn't have a game with with if they ever had a game where Malik Hooker couldn't play is it Wanya Thomas the guy that would step in who would step in as that that free safety the guy that has the best range yeah. best coverability yeah you probably put him on the back end uh I think that would be the best plan uh, of attack that way you can keep uh, Wilson and then Curse and those guys down low where they play better. So yeah, I think Thomas is a guy that you never I'd never shy away from putting him in coverage. Yeah, he's super competitive. He he's got some corner skills to his his game. Uh, you know you you would have to see if uh, you know how he sees the field and stuff like that. You know, don't ever want to get trapped back there. You know, going the wrong direction or making the wrong read. But, man, the guys, uh, you know, he plays as your uh, personal protector on the punt team. Mm-hmm. So the, the the aptitude, the smarts, all those things are probably lined up for you right there. Yeah, well, he's great. I mean, that, that's who I would drop back there. I mean, he's got all the physical abilities, the quickness, the uh, the football IQ, the the tackling ability and willingness to tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the, what you'd be losing there over Malik Hooker is um, you'd have to wonder how more easily deceived he would be, Wanye, from a guy like Josh Allen and, you know, a veteran offensive coordinator. But as far as skill, said in football like you concern one year is there yeah it does concern you a little bit brian yesterday you mentioned this offense they'll try to fool you so they will so Great. you get a little less experienced then uh that that could put you in a, a compromised position in some instances yep. all right let's talk about a, a few guys from the buffalo team 
there are four guys that were on their injury report that popped out to me, and I, I really want to get an idea of, obviously, we're not there, so we don't know the extent of these injuries, uh, but certainly from the standpoint of what it would mean if they don't have these four players. Uh, let's see what, 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 what you think, Brian. Uh, defensive end A.J. Epinesa. Huge. Rib injury. Huge. Yeah, that's a big. That would be a big problem because what's happened is Von Miller's you know playing less and less for them, and so now you got Greg Russo, Ed Oliver, uh, and Panessa, and the way that he's playing, and yeah, he he tried to play in the game. He got his ribs hurt in the Kansas City game. Tried to come back into the game, and then you didn't see him anymore the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. That one sounds like in the, in the podcast I did with the Buffalo guys and talking to some people outside of Buffalo, that would be a big big loss for them. How about uh, safety Micah Hyde with the neck stinger? Yeah, Micah Hyde's been dealing with this now. He had surgery on his neck in September of last year, and it caused him to miss the whole season. It's had it's happened to him twice. It's very similar to what Leighton Vanderish yeah. deals with, and so uh, you know that's something that if he doesn't play in this uh, in this game, then that, that, that his replacement. Uh, in that in that particular situation would be who did I, I have down here that they had uh, who did they move I'll, I'll get to it on my notes here okay. but uh, but yeah it, it's one of those things that uh, that oh it's Taylor Rapp yeah. uh, the veteran Taylor Rapp yep. used to be at the Rams and so Rapp would take his spot but that would be a that would be a significant loss for him as well how about a uh, cornerback Taron Johnson with ankle yeah Taron Johnson is that's their nickel and so but I've got a plan for how to attack. Taron Johnson in this game I think even if he's playing even if he's playing I I think this is where this is a guy that has problems with speed and to me now the matchup turns into how do you get Brandon Cooks in the slot more to have to deal with somebody that's dealing with an ankle but also struggles with guys that can really really run Mm. so that to me was a matchup that I was looking at right there and then tight end Dalton Kincaid rookie that's a big play for them too. They've got the two tight ends. Him and Dawson Knox are, are two really good players. And and you know that with with Kincaid, it's down the field. We mentioned uh, you know how would you deal with? I feel like that they're okay dealing with the Buffalo receivers. We'll see with Diggs and how they play him. These tight ends though are really capable players. Uh, not I wouldn't call them great blockers. But I would call them those guys that try. They they try and create mismatches with athletic ability. Uh, they they are very reliable catching the football. They have a huge catch radius for both guys. So uh, that that would be not having uh, not having Kincaid would would be uh, be significant for them. All right, so let's jump in. Let's talk about this Buffalo defense versus the Cowboys offense. I'll start with a big picture question. If you had to define one player. Uh, on that defense that you would say is the most should be the most concerning for Dallas, who would that player be? I'm going to go with Leonard Floyd. Uh, I, I think Leonard Floyd can be a game wrecker, um, and, and the Cowboys are familiar with uh, him from having played him frequently over the course of his career. And you know, but when you talk about somebody who's coming in with nine and a half sacks, uh, he's he's the heartbeat of that pass rush with the Buffalo Bills. And yes, Von Miller contributes in a major way as well. So does Vanessa. I mean, like they have contributors up there, but it feels like it goes as Leonard Floyd goes. So if you can figure out a way or not necessarily figure out a way, but if you can win your matchup against Leonard Floyd on that offensive line, then that's going to give you a huge leg up to uh, helping to neutralize the pass rush. And then from there, you can try to attack that secondary. Yeah. I would say that, that Floyd makes a lot of sense. I, I worry about Greg Russo going against uh uh, Terrence Steele in this football game and you know that because the way that 
the way that Russo brushes you as a passer, he covers a lot of ground. His first two steps are like really long. And all of a sudden now, and the one thing that, that Steele has had over the problem is if guys can get the corner on him, can he get over quick enough to push that guy past uh, the uh, past the quarterback in, in the pocket and stuff? Uh, you know, his uh, it's it's. You know, in the way he fights you too, the hand fighting, the way he gets kind of breaks guys down, I, I do worry about that that matchup there. Ed Oliver would be a guy mm-hmm. in defensive tackle that you would, should be concerned about, Texas but the problem, but the problem with that is that Ed Oliver is going up against two of your better blockers when you start to talk about Smith, and then you talk about Martin, and you know those are your two inside players right there. That and Oliver's leading the team in. in and pressures and and you know and and he's really good at defending the run. Uh, at, at coming out of Houston, he was an undersized guy that was worried about how light he was. But he plays that three technique, under tackle, outside shoulder of the uh, the guard, and then he works his way up the field. But I feel like the Cowboys match up pretty well dealing with him with the two guards, Russo, uh, and then as as you uh, you mentioned Floyd. Uh, that's a little bit different story, especially if they could they find ways to get him over on Steele. Uh, even though Steele's playing pretty well, though, there's always that you worry about those uh, those those uh, those other moments. Yeah, I wouldn't point out um, a specific player, but like you guys mentioned, I think the D line as a group as a whole they're really good with four man pressure when yeah. rushing the passer. Yeah, sure are. So very much so. I would say if there's any area. And, Brian, you're about to break it all down, but if there is an area, it would be just the defensive line, what they do all together. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, that's the, their, their whole thing, their, their whole game plan is based on they really rely on their four-man four front to carry the day because they're one of the best. They don't blitz a ton. And you can watch, and I went back and I watched, okay, sort all the blitzes for me. There were five mm-hmm. in a game. You know, and you're like going <laughs> – Oh wait! And as you watch right. the Cowboys sort blitzes, there's you know there's 27 blitzes mm-hmm. that you know, and and some teams are really good at it. But you know, here's a team that could put a lot of pressure on you with the four man line. They're third in the league in sacks, and that's what they do. They rush you with four, and they have to rush you with four because if you look at their secondary, their secondary gives up a lot of space. Yep. When you watch them play zone coverage, there are a lot of open guys. Tight window throws, they're one of the worst in the league when it comes to tight window throws. You can see it on tape. You know, Rasheel Douglas out there, we're all familiar with his game from Philadelphia. He's bounced around a couple of times. But if their four-man rush doesn't get home or you pick up the blitzes when they do, their secondary gets put into a world of hurt because they find ways to not cover the guys as tightly as they need to. Yeah, it's interesting. The the what jumped out to me is I noticed that they are a four man team the vast majority of the time. Twenty fifth in the league in blitz yeah. percentage. They don't blitz very much at right. all. Here's the interesting thing, and you mentioned the sacks, the third and sacks, yeah. fifth and sacks percentage. So they're getting home yeah. at a rate that's that's up there at the top of the league. Right. Here's the interesting part though. When you look at just their pressures, they're all laid down at fourteenth in yeah. the league as far as their pressure percentage, uh, when they're in a four man front. Right. So it's almost like they don't always consistently get pressure. But when they They're do, efficient. They're, they get home. Yeah, yeah. They get home. They make yeah. the sack. Um, it, does it also like? Uh, it, it also suggests to me that maybe. Uh, they don't get consistent pressure enough. Is that what you're seeing on tape? Is yeah. that they're not consistently getting pressure, but it, when they do, they get home? Yeah, it is. It's it's one of the things I watched, like, the couple of games where uh, the last two games were Philadelphia and then also then this Kansas City game. And when when they don't get home, like I said, it's a problem for them because their secondary just can't 
hold up long enough in the back end. And so you you know if you find a way to to block these guys, and they've got they've got legitimate. I mean, they got legitimate pass rush. It's very similar to what the Cowboys do with the way that they play their front. Mm-hmm. And you know you get four man, but you get four man games. You get the twists and you get picks and all these things like that. So they know how to get those guys home. But when they don't, you do see completions. You know, and that's that's the thing. If Dallas goes into this game with the idea, this is going to be a game, in my opinion, that the running backs for the Cowboys are going to be huge in this game. And I'll tell you why. Because the ability to be that extra blocker to help on the four-man rush, but also, though, this team, when they do rush or they do blitz, which could be occasionally, it's slot, it's slot pressure or it's secondary pressure. They use their linebackers in coverage mm-hmm. is what they do. Yep. So now you're dealing with safety pressure or you're dealing with slot pressure. So Tony Pollard and, and Rico Dowdle, when they look, they're usually keying off linebackers. Now you have to be ready for the pressure that comes on the outside mm-hmm. of that. Okay, where's that safety walking up and coming from? Where's that slot player? Because they'll run the safety over the top to cover a slot blitz. And they'll try and catch it up, much like when the Cowboys used to do it with Orlando Scandrick. Yeah, you know, like he would line up tight to the line, and then all of a sudden come flying down, and nobody would ever block him. Yeah, they try and do the same thing. But how Pollard and Dowdle pick up, actually help on four, will be key, and how they pick up extra any extra blitz that they might see in this game. But they they're going to need to get pressure because the problems that they have. Uh, it's not a, it's not a secondary to me that is like is like as bad as like what we've seen with the Giants and some of the others back in, in the past, but you see completions on them, yeah. and and just because of the uh, the space that they give up. It'll be interesting to see how the Cowboys uh, attack the linebacker core, like you mentioned, Brian, because of the twelve interceptions that the um, that the Bills have, five of those are to their linebacker core. Yeah. Um, their cornerbacks and their safeties, their safeties have one or two, but their cornerbacks aren't good with taking the ball away. Uh, it's also a defense that uh, you mentioned they play zone. They love to play zone. Yeah. O- almost 81% of the time, their t- time they're playing zone. Now, of course, you go back to week five and the team can try to flip that on you, high 49ers. Yeah. But Dak Prescott is playing at a different level right now as far as it really doesn't matter if you're going to do zone or man, he's going to attack it. But yeah. the reason they go to zone is because they don't have a lot of confidence without Tredavious White on the field. Don't have a lot of confidence, so they give that space to try to protect their guys. But in doing so, the Bills secondary is allowing one of the worst completion uh, percentages in the entire league. It's over 70%, almost 71%. Yeah. So the, the play, yeah. So the plays are going to be there. The catches are yeah. going to be there to be made. Uh, and also of, I think they're at 2,900 yards allowed, passing yards allowed. Roughly 1,500 of that is yak. So not only are you able to make passes and get catches against the secondary, but they'll give up the yards after the catch as well. And then you look at what CeeDee Lamb and Cooks and, and Jake Ferguson can do in that capacity. I mean, it's a favorable matchup for the Cowboys if, like Brian said, you can stop that front four. And if that means you have to, you know, task Tony Pollard and Rico Dowdle with helping um, on the rare occasion they do blitz, then, yeah, do so. But, yeah, there, there's there's lunch to be had for Dak Prescott. All right. Would you have something else, Mark? Yeah, uh, they, they're, they're small at linebacker. Mm-hmm. And that's why teams have had some success running the football at these guys a little bit. And that's what you got to have to deal with. This might be a game where Dallas tries to run the ball a little bit more. Matt Milano out for them, that injury that he suffered in week six, just really crushed this linebacker crew. He's really good at playing the pass and playing the run. And so they've struggled now with some of their size at, at linebacker. 
and people have taken advantage of that. And by the way, I just got a report that Hooker should be available for this game, so don't worry about him. Awesome. Great. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about some strategies maybe that we might see from Dallas offensively when it comes to taking advantage of these wide-open targets, uh, as well as the running game, where, where they can maybe uh, take advantage of the of the run this run defense that may be a bit undersized. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot Rowdy cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear Doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time, but what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a shoulder to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks, girl. Better than a -a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Back to the break. Wrap up your holiday shopping with all things Cowboys. Visit Pro Shop, a pro shop near you, or log on to shop.dallascowboys.com. A fanatics experience to a score to score exclusive deals in stores and online and grab the best gifts in the game. Welcome back to the second segment of the break. We're live from SWBC Mortgage Studios at the start. The segment brought to you by Blockchain. Dot com. Ding. All right, here we go. Let's uh, let's we're diving back into the Buffalo defense uh, to to kind of give it some context. We were talking about the wide open uh, nature of, yeah. of, of of what they give up in the passing game. Uh, they are seventh right now in the most attempts allowed to wide open targets. About twenty five percent of the time, when you got a pass attempted against this defense. The receiver's wide open. Yeah. That's a lot. That's yeah. a quarter of the time. Uh, that's a ton. And then when you think about the the pass rush and, and what they can 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 really create some some challenges from the pass rush standpoint, mm-hmm. it makes me wonder if this is a game where we should see at least early a lot of the quick passing game just so you can get the ball out because it looks like they're going to have some open targets. There are opportunities for you to do it, especially if you're scheming guys. My question is, is the quick passing game what we should expect to see much more than just their kind of the deep ball as much this game? Yeah, I, I would say so. I, I think that you want to, you know, to me, they just they don't have the quality at corner 
that most teams have. And I mentioned Rasul Douglas, uh, Christian Benford. You know, he's a guy that's a second-year player, and, you know, he's kind of feeling his way right now. They really just don't have that – they don't have anybody that can really shut anybody down – I mentioned about uh, Terrian Johnson, though, uh, you know, with the, the nickel. He's, he's struggled at times. So they just don't have that one guy that can walk over there and take your best guy. And so, yeah, anything to, anything to alleviate just, you know, the, any type of pressure. Holding the ball against these guys, I think, is a terrible idea. You know, just because eventually these guys, one of their three guys is going to win. You know, that, that's just the way that they, that's the way they, they're able to rush the passer. But somehow, you, we've talked about this for, before, if you could block the front, they blocked the front in Philadelphia, and what happened? You have passing game involved. You know? So if you can handle pass rush with your players, then your receivers are much better than what these secondary guys are. So anything quick uh, or you know, maybe even really normal passing game, because of, mm-hmm. because if they're going to play a ton of zone on you, I mean, every, every time I looked up and was watching, you know, there was just so much space. So when the ball gets out, you know, the, the things that affect is their, like I say, their, their pass rush can't affect you. Control that, though. You can make some plays against these guys. You've heard me say that before. When you talk about the pass rush, just to give people a perspective, yeah, this front four, would you say it is comparable to San Francisco? It's, would you say it's more like Philadelphia? It's more Which like, one? It's more like Philadelphia, okay. but more like, Phil, more like Philadelphia. Well, different than Philadelphia. Like Philadelphia with the edge. Yeah. Different from the inside players because Ed Oliver can rush from the inside. Mm. I don't think Philadelphia, I mean, Fletcher Cox and they got those big body guys and they just push the front. Yeah. Ed Oliver's got some wiggle to his game. He's got some quick, maybe much like what we've seen, like with the, when the Rams with, with Aaron Donald, that oh, kind of, okay. you know, when you have that quick three technique guy. Oh, yeah. So. so, yeah. So that's, that's kind of where you're at with this team because they've got, a legitimate defensive tackle that can rush, and they've got two legitimate edges that can rush. So now you've got three guys that are involved. The other guy for them is more of a push guy. But, you know, when you play Philadelphia, it's really two guys and big bodies trying to push in the middle. There have been games here in the last, you know, when we look at the like the pre- uh, the first five games of the season yeah. and then the post after that and how Dak's been playing. There have been some games where Dak has been on this stretch where he's playing phenomenal football, where uh-huh. he's been under pressure yeah. and still been able to make it work. So my question becomes, like, is this really a problem for Dallas? Because it seems like Dak is being able to operate even when he's under pressure, although the offensive line has yeah. played pretty well in most of these weeks. Even when he's under pressure, Dak still has a way of, of making plays. Playing a lot better with his feet. You know, and he, and he understands where when things do break down, just immediately take off and run. Don't try and hold the ball and, you know, and, and, and make a play. Just take off running and, and play for the next down. Get your six, seven, eight, ten yards, whatever you're going to get. Get down and, and go for it. So, yeah, it, that, that to me, that's, Dak is dealing with pressure just fine. Uh, you know, like I said, it, it hopefully, hopefully the pressure isn't to the point where it happens quick and now they're on him. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. that's what I would worry about right in this game. I said, get like you said, Derek. I said, get the ball out quick. Get your guys in rhythm. Lamb, Cooks, Jake, um, whomever else, Turpin, Michael Gallup. Get those guys out and get them running early. Uh, put the secondary on their heels. Kind of help neutralize the pass rush. Frustrate those front four uh, pretty early. And and you know when you look at a guy like and we talk about uncommon opponent, but then you look at the roster and see who who are common opponents within the roster. Rasul Douglas. He's mm-hmm. one from the time he spent with Philadelphia. He was. 
there from 2017 through 2019. Um, seven times he's played against Dak Prescott. Oh, he's been awful. Yeah, he's had in those seven games. That's why I mentioned him. One yeah. interception, one pass breakup. That's it in yeah. seven outings. So if you're Dak Prescott, you got to be looking your chops to say, okay, well, when we move CeeDee Lamb to the slot, that's Rasul Douglas. Douglas, we're eating. Cooks in the slot, Turpin in the slot, we're yeah. eating. Um, so in that type of situation, it's all all the more reason for you to drop back, get the ball out quickly. And then, I mean, the big plays are going to develop themselves. You just have to establish the rhythm early, especially in a hostile environment like Orchard Park. You mentioned that the running game has had some challenges, particularly yeah. because these linebackers are a little undersized. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular area of the defense where you've noticed they're most vulnerable to the outside, to the inside? Yeah. Like, where, where have teams had a lot of success running the ball? Dallas has done a good job, and, the, and they've tried to run the ball in a lot of different ways now. They're not just – it's not outside zone stuff all the time. They've done the crack toss stuff. They've done just toss. They've run the jet sweeps. Those plays are all going to be good, in my opinion. To me, I would try and do things that are misdirection plays. You know, the Cowboys ran a double screen the other day, which, Mm -hmm. you know, tells me they're trying to affect to get guys to move, to get guys out of the way. This linebacking crew, they're small and they want to run. They they don't want to play toe-to-toe with you because Mm -hmm. if they play toe-to-toe, they get swallowed up. So, to me, if anything is how quickly you can secure down guys and then get guys up on the second level and affect them. Because Philadelphia was able to do that a couple of different times. Kansas City was able to do that a couple of different times. You get them going one way with the read, and then all of a sudden you get them to commit, and now the ball's coming back the other way. So Dallas, uh, you know, we, we've seen Dallas with their ability to, to play that way in the running game to be able to affect the linebackers with flow, getting like the you know, motions, uh, quick motions to get the linebackers to step and then take the ball behind them. And and that's that's the problem that because when these guys get hooked up, they don't get off blocks very well at that linebacker, especially at second level. Yeah. Let's flip over and talk a little bit more about this Cowboys offense. Um, they have had their four lowest point totals this season when they've been on the road. That would be 16 points at Arizona, 10 points at San Francisco, 20 points at the Chargers, 23 points at Philadelphia. Typically, I'm one that doesn't believe home versus road is really a big deal. But you look at stuff like that and you look at how they're scoring at home and there's something there. Have you guys been able to identify anything you can point to where you say this may be the reason why Dallas is so much more effective at home offensively than what they are on the road? Better opponents. I mean, if you're in all yeah, honesty, because, yeah. in I all mean, honesty, yeah, Niners, yeah, right. I mean, Philadelphia. But the difference. Let me ask you that. So, so then, if you do that, then what's the difference between Philadelphia on the road versus Philadelphia at home? Because there's a big difference in how well Dallas played at home against Philadelphia than maybe how they played. I think in Dallas at home is impossible to deal with. I just do. I think that I think the the the, the conditions. And I'm going to be honest. I mean, this the the field, the conditions. The things that they deal with, they 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 just they find a better rhythm playing offense, yeah. you know. And maybe what happens too is you get on the road, and now you're dealing with crowd noise, and now you're dealing with trying to communicate, and not everything gets, you know, not everything gets taken care of, you know, like it needs to be. But against Arizona, they were really they were bad in the red zone. You know, they were just really bad in the red zone. Have they fixed Arizona. that at this point? Yes, think? I think I think they've gotten better at it. I think they actually have gotten better at it because they've been more willing to use Dak if they have to. But the receivers are doing a good job. You get guys like you guys got Turpin involved. You know, I mean, he's had a couple of catches down there. Ferguson uh, making plays, Cooks making plays. You know, they've they've gotten guys 
You know, uh, Gallup had a touchdown the other day. They're getting guys involved in this thing. The schemes have been good. You know, the ways that they've been able to operate, uh, the, the running backs running the ball better. So, yeah, it, they, I feel like they've gotten better in that red zone stuff. And they have. And to answer that question uh, statistically, I was, you know, doing some science lab last night, and it's it's up on the dot-com right now. Shameless plug. Check it out. Um, but uh, one interesting stat I came across was the red zone, red zone efficiency for the Cowboys. Obviously a huge talking point over the first, you know, trimester of the season, even first portion of the second trimester. But as we have this conversation, Cowboys have scored – inside the red zone 71% of the time over the last three games. That's good enough for sixth best yeah. in the NFL. That's good. Yeah. Now, guess what they're going up against? The Buffalo Bills defense has allowed the opponent to score inside the red zone 88% of the time yeah. in the last three oh games. God. 46% completion percentage down yes. there. Yeah, 46 so Almost half the passes thrown the, in the red zone are complete. The Cowboys over the last three games have heated up in the red zone, yeah. and the Bills are ice cold as far as stopping teams oh, from wow. scoring in the end zone. Yeah. That's the only challenge this offense really has found. Also, like they get moving, and yeah. when they start moving, it's hard to stop they're them. But the red much. zone has been the issue, and that's wow, that's amazing. They're not going to get yeah, much resistance from the Bills defense um, in the red zone. They're that's one not. of the issues that they've definitely gotten better. The red zone, because I'm going back to the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. some of the things that we were talking or. Uh, they were still moving the ball pretty well, and it's always when they hit the red zone, they just couldn't get in and get the touchdown. Um, and I'm going back. I mean, the away games hasn't been that. I mean, yes, the losses have come from away games, but it hasn't been that terrible. You go back to the game against Philly. That was a very close game. That it came down to inches and all that. You didn't handle the nine one one situation very yeah, well. There. Yeah, yeah, but very close. Uh, could have possibly been a win for the Cowboys. Then you go to the 49ers. That's yeah, whatever. We, we got okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We know. We know. <laughs> we know. Uh, the when they play against the Giants, you completely dominated them. Scored forty points, and then with Arizona, you. They were sleepwalking. Yeah. But, but my, a, point, my point, I guess that's the point of it is the four times this season when they've had the lowest points scored on offense, they've been on the road. Yeah, they've had some outliers oh like no. the Giants yeah. game on the road where they scored a ton of mm-hmm. points. But even I think we all came out of that game even saying the offense had it wasn't really clicking was exactly as you wanted to. Yeah, you had some defense. Yeah, like, yeah it was just Six. other things that, that were going defense, on yeah. in that game. That, that kind of made that score what it was. Yeah. Now, again, a lot of that happened in the early part of the season, yeah. in which case now we think the offense has made some changes and they're, they are playing a much different level, a much different type of game yeah. than they were playing back then. But the road is was the road back then. They've, you know? they've improved on things that they've improved on when you start to talk about pre-snap motions and things like that. And, you know, it just you know, every, every every week it's gotten better and better. And to the point when you look at week five was kind of the watermark where you say, okay, things flipped. From that point on, that, that their motion stuff's up about 8%. Yeah. You know, I mean, they went from being one of the worst teams when it came to pre-snap motion to at least middle <laughs> of the pack, respectable pre-snap motions and you know whether it's coming across or going out you know they're they're finding ways to set plays up with their motion and as long as they keep doing that they'll be fine yeah i'll tell you this i really want to see i'm very interested to see what they do this week and what they do next week because that will tell me a lot about their capabilities in the playoffs because if these if they continue to have 
lackluster offensive performances in these next two games, then you have to start saying it's something about the road that's yeah. different than at home. Yeah. And the likelihood is if all things play out as a lot of people expect them to, Dallas is going to have to go on the road have to. if they want to get to their ultimate uh, their ultimate goal. So uh, this, I think these two games will do a lot for telling us what, what we should expect from them in the playoffs based on how they handle these two road games. Yeah. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, uh, let's jump into the NFL, NFC. Let's talk a little bit about some of those teams. And, man, it's gotten crazy down there at the bottom of the NFC playoff race. There are a lot of teams that are involved, including one New York Giants team <laughs> that is making a push. <laughs> what a time Who to be thought? alive. All right, we'll be back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil change, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change. A proud partner of the Cowboys is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, friendly, and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take 5, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the Playmaker at getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code COWBOYS VIP. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys VIP. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Back to the break. Tis the season for youth football and dance camps presented by Avisalign. Don't miss your chance to learn from the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders and former NFL players at AT&T Stadium on December 22nd and 23rd. Celebrate the holidays with the Cowboys. Register today at dallascowboys.com slash camps. Welcome back to the final Ooh. segment of the break. I'm, I'm laughing at AG yeah, over here. She's not happy. Pressure points. <laughs> final segment of the break. Quit. Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. If you are uh, if you speak Spanish, not. then we may have a job for you sometime <laughs> Because Miss Garcia You're not here, even going to stop me? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, wow. I'm going to try. I'm going to wow. try. But one thing I've learned about you is when you get it in your head. Don't worry, he'll bring you back, hey, man. <laughs> they always come back. They can always come back. She'll be back. 
He'll let things die down <laughs> for about six months, back. and then he'll go, hey, man, what are you doing? Are you, hey, Brian. you thinking about doing any shows? Once you're on my team, you're always on yeah. my team. You'll Derek, never Derek's get away. really good at letting things just die down, <laughs> and everybody forgets about you, and then all of a sudden you show up, and they're like, wait a minute, when do we bring Broadus back? <laughs> you never get away. That is true. Keeps drawing you back in. All right, let's talk about the NFC. Uh, interesting here, man. It's yeah. It's gotten really interesting. Let's first start with the Cowboys have an opportunity this weekend uh, to clinch a playoff spot, which, <laughs> let's be clear, the likelihood that Dallas clinches a playoff spot is like 99%. They're going to clinch it at some point unless there's some sort of epic, epic fail on their part going down the stretch. But they can clinch this weekend with a win, and there are 14 other scenarios or 13 other scenarios that could also uh, allow the Cowboys to clinch if they should lose the game this weekend. So suffice to say, there's a pretty decent chance, depending on how you think the game's going to play out with the, the Bills, there's a good chance the Cowboys will be in the playoffs uh, by the time we get to next Monday. <laughs> that all being said, you look at the the standings right now, you got the the top four teams that are clearly ahead of everyone else. You got San Francisco at ten and three, Dallas ten and three, Philadelphia ten and three, Detroit one game behind at nine and four after they take a loss. They're starting to get a little wonky there. I, I was I was really high on Detroit, Same. but I'm starting I to wonder there. now. Same. Starting to wonder now like was that fool's goal a little bit, but we'll <laughs> see. Uh, but then you get down below that and you're talking about Minnesota at seven and six, Tampa Bay at six and seven. Uh, Green Bay at six and seven, the Rams at six and seven, uh, Seattle six and seven, Atlanta six and seven, New Orleans six and seven, and then that's not enough. You got the New York Giants at five and eight, and Chicago at five and eight. Both those teams had a little bit of success, definitely in the last week. The Giants now are on a three-game win streak, including the win last week that they got uh, against the uh, the Packers, who are also a playoff Impressive. contender. So here's my question for you guys: We know those top four teams. Who are going to be the other three teams? If you have to name three other teams that will make the playoffs in the NFC out of Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, the Rams, uh, Seattle, Atlanta, New Orleans, New York, Giants, and mm. Chicago, who are your three? Mm. And that's a lot. <laughs> it's it's such a, it's a muddied mess below that top four. Um, so let's say um, San Fran, Dallas. Who does Detroit take the NFC North? Yeah, I think Detroit. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't see anybody do going to get um, And then number four, let's just label that NFC South because ain't no telling. Right. Um, Philadelphia. So, hmm. Give me the Rams. Give me the Rams mm. in there. Uh, the Rams to me are the team that they they've got they've got their quarterback is. I mean they 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 went to Baltimore last week mm-hmm. and they should have won that game. Yep. They absolutely should have won that game. And I think that Baltimore is one of the best teams in the league. And for the Rams to go all the way across the country, play basically a 1 o'clock game over there, they showed up. That used to be roadkill for yep. teams that did that, go all the way across the country and play in one of those. They, they The Rams played physical against a physical team. I, I feel like I, I, I can't trust Seattle to beat Philadelphia. I want to believe. I want to believe that. But I, Seattle, to me, seems like they're – even though they get all that skill at wide receiver and all that, I just I don't know. I mean, they need to they need to kind of figure things out on defense. Mm-hmm. But the Rams seem like the team, them and Green Bay. I know Green Bay had a bad loss against the Giants, but I I kind of feel like that they're still in the mix with them. I thought they had a I thought they had a shot to kind of get themselves ahead of Minnesota. I don't trust Minnesota. Minnesota's looking at their quarterback situation every week and they're drawing mm-hmm. it out of a out of a hat. 
You know, Josh. It's crazy that they've gone to this point after yeah, losing it's just, their quarterback. I mean, they've, so. they've just, I mean, they're trying to hang in there, but yeah. they, there's no consistency there. The Rams are the team that you probably don't want to play. Yeah, of you all just those, don't yeah. want to play them because of how good Puka Nakua and and the, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, the tight end, the quarterback. They They're got running, running back, back now. Kieran uh, Kieran Williams. Yeah, is just, he's I, just, I'm kind of glad wow. Dallas played the Rams earlier yeah. than later. Because that's a team I don't think you want to deal with. I think the Rams are the last team to get in. Oh, this is interesting because you Phillies five. I don't. Trust, you need the Rams to beat Minnesota. San Francisco at the end. Is yeah, what you, you do. Need. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't trust Minnesota. Um, I could see Green Bay kind of bouncing back from a loss that they should not have suffered against the Giants. Giants saw a surging, so credit to the Giants and Tommy Cutlet's three-game winning streak. Uh, I do like the Rams. I'm torn between Rams and Seahawks because, you know, you got the Rams and they're playing good football, and McVay, he's he's got those guys rolling. Uh, and Seattle, contrarily, they're stumbling right now, um, and that includes allowing 41 points. But, you know, it's to one of the highest scoring, if not right now, the highest scoring offense in the league, so take that for what it's worth. I like that Seattle was competitive with Drew Locke in Santa Clara against San Francisco for the majority of that game. That tells me they're not quitting. So if they do get Geno Smith back, we've seen that Geno Smith in that offense with his quick release, they can put up some points. So I believe that that versus a Philadelphia secondary that has to visit Seattle, talk about home field advantage, 12th man advantage. and Gino, Going cross country. Right, cross country <laughs> trip. Geno and that arsenal. <laughs> we're trying to talk well, ourselves into this. Right. Right. No, we're saying, trying to talk ourselves into this. Geno and that arsenal. I appreciate what you guys are trying to do. <laughs> You know, in that arsenal against the yeah. uh, secondary in yeah. Philadelphia, that's basically toast. I think we can all admit yeah. that. That secondary is toast. So I do like Seattle in this game against Philadelphia. I'm not saying it'll be a blowout, but I like them uh, more than I trust a team like Minnesota. Hell, more than I trust a, green, a team like Green Bay right now. I do like the Rams, though. I think the Rams are dangerous. Seattle's perfect for Philadelphia. Seattle's perfect for Philadelphia. Bird on Phil- bird crime. Oh, Philadelphia's won 10 games with the team at the end just gives it away. Huh? You know, they, they've won all these games where all of a sudden, you know, they should the, they the shouldn't opponent, win, but they yeah, shouldn't yeah, win, yeah. but the opponent falls apart at the end. Yeah. What did Seattle do against Dallas? They fell apart at the end. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what they're going to do. And so I I, I I appreciate you guys talking about them this way. But I think the next two weeks, you look at the Rams, they've got the commanders at home and they got the Saints at home. Mm-hmm. They're about to be eight and seven with the Giants. They go to the Giants and then at San Francisco. That San Francisco game might be important to them and it might maybe it'll help you yeah maybe it'll help you yeah you know because it'll be important to them to make sure that they get into this thing. and you got to also remember division is still going to be hard yeah. division's exactly. always yeah. hard well so you got to hope you, you don't go a, lose if, at the commanders yeah That's if, the name of, you know. and my point is like if, if you got the the rams playing their best football yeah. toward the end of the season which i've been saying this for a few weeks the reason why i like the rams is because they're a veteran team a lot right. of these guys were in the super bowl a few yeah. years ago yeah. like this is a veteran team they know what they're doing they have a really good coach they got really good schemes i think that you look at it from that standpoint if they get on a roll, they become very scary. Yep. For a lot of teams, everybody in the NFC has to be worried. Like, I don't necessarily want to match up with that team if they're playing their best football at the end of the season. So, yeah, I think the Rams are the team to, that the team out of all these teams that actually could get in the playoffs and cause and make problems. Some noise. Yeah, that's some that's noise. A, that's like a six seven seed that could go and beat yeah. one of those two or threes. Absolutely, because of the way they play. I'm talking myself into that. Again. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, seriously. They, I mean, they they had the Ravens on the ropes. Yeah, they had that they game did. over, and they and you know that had been a, that's that been four straight after the bye yeah. with the Commanders and the Saints on the horizon. Yeah. You're looking at a five game heater right there. Yeah, you know, yep. so. is Philly broken? 
Amp our hopes. Up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think they're broken. Right. I mean, they still have all those talented players in yeah. there. Um, I think they just they're still hurting from that beatdown against the 49ers. Um, but I'm rooting for the Giants right now. You, you talk about the perfect time and crazy time for them to to start winning some games, and it hasn't been anything extravagant. Extravaganza. <laughs> it hasn't been like that, but um, it's crazy because they're they're about to face the the Eagles pretty soon, twice to end the the year, and maybe gives them some some troubles. But I don't think Phillies were as it's broke they're just hurting i would trade schedules with them right now absolutely absolutely well, no they, doubt they about went it. through that run they went through that run where they beat they beat miami they beat buffalo you know i mean they're 10 and 3 with now they're going to play i'd love to play arizona again you yeah. caught arizona yeah. at the wrong time yeah you caught the rams at the right time arizona at the wrong time right so but yeah i to me the Phillies capable of scoring points. The problem they have is they can't stop anybody. Mm-hmm. That's their issue right now. Yeah, the um, they're beaten. They're beaten. They're bloodied. They're not broken. The no. offense is not broken. The secondary is broken. Yeah. Um, Are you sure? And that's really where I was going when you the say the offense isn't. Is well, broken. but I'm saying when you say the offense isn't broken, like you go back to what Nick Bosa said. Yeah. And since they've played that, like. We will see I, this weekend if they have the horses to do it, but he's like, we got the blueprint out there. See, but it's, it? it's what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. If, if Seattle has the horses to do it. Yeah. Cowboys and the 49ers have the horses to execute the blueprint. Yeah. Maybe Seattle does. We'll find out. But th- do the Giants. We'll have to find out. These are some of the lesser teams who are not of caliber of the Cowboys and the 49ers. But offensively, you know, is Jalen Hurts and that offense lighting the scoreboard up? Nope. Nope. They need to figure some things out. But they've shown that they can score points. Um more often than struggling to score points, so I don't. Yeah. Think, I think they'll figure that out offensively, however they need to. But defensively, the defense, defensive line is what it is, which is great. Um, but that secondary, it is just it's it's lunch. It's lunch. It's time for the Eagles to say Jalen Hurts start running. Yeah. Now become a runner. Which, it looked like they were trying to do that last week. Yeah. It, he, it, he, he didn't do it enough. He, he jumped he, out early. You. Yeah. It. We're to the point in the season now that we got to make sure that we win this division. Yeah. You Go. start running the ball, yeah, and do what whatever you have it to, takes. W- yeah. Do whatever you have to do. Yeah. We're not we're not keeping the bubble wrap on you anymore. You run the ball. Contrarily, New York Giants, whatever it takes, <laughs> whatever it yeah. takes. Yeah. Um, quick update. Uh, yeah. Just got an update. Malik Hooker is expected to be limited in practice today, so ramped up from yesterday's work. Uh, DNP from the walkthrough, so he's trending toward, like Brian said, being available. So all right. So. We, uh, that's a wrap. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll wrap this thing up, let you know what we think is going to happen this weekend. For Patrick Walker, Brian Broaddus, and Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Yeltsin. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!